Find Crime Limited Show with me, Tim Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, is marriage slavery? Tim. Well, we've discussed, is wage slavery slavery, and what is slavery, and is Aristotle right about slavery? So next, I think the next relevant topic here to discuss is, is the social institution of marriage slavery? If you ask the men's rights advocate, for example, Sean, not, not that, that Sean Gabb is one, but Sean Gabb was on a show with Todd Lewis and Keith Preston, and Sean Gadd made the comment that, you know, the modern court system is somewhat uh, set up against men and fathers, for example. And this is the MRA claim that men's rights advocates make, that the court systems are very much against them. Now, who's also in agreement with this claim um, is his many historical feminists. Maybe not all historical feminists, but a lot of them would definitely view marriage as a kind of slavery and if you look at the, uh, if you read Unwin's uh, Sex and Culture, if you read about the Romans and the system of marriage, as well as some more recent systems of marriages, marriage and marriage laws, the woman has an inferior status to the husband in the relationship. Can they, you know, property ownership, uh, various other things as well. You know, who can get divorced for what reasons. Um, so, so, and again, the, the classic story is Christianity somewhat raised the status of women vis-a-vis Roman times. Uh, uh, so, so again, modern people, interestingly enough, despite this historical baggage, including women, continue to get married at a pretty decent rate. Is it as high as it sometimes was? No. But it, it's still not zero. Um, um, so, you know, you don't see you don't see slavery as existing in the American South. Maybe you see it in the Saudi Arabia or someplace like that. But that's more like using visas and other methods. Or North Korea, that's a little different. We don't see slavery slavery existing um, today. But you still see mar- marriage existing. You see lots of marriage existing. And, and it's still viewed, for the most part, even by secular left people, as, as uh, someone like, like Charles Murray would make the comment that people think left and live right, one of the ways people live right, so to speak, is by getting married. Continue. Plenty of elites stay married. Now they might get remarried. They might have, you know, like I think Bill Gates had an open wife period or something like that. There might be weird wrinkles in this thing, um, but elites still get married at a pretty high rate, or and stay married too. Um, so now, marriage itself. We go back to Plato, all the way back to Plato, is. You know the quote unquote traditional monogamous marriage is 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 not is if you go back to the sixties if you think about the sixties cultural revolutionaries one of the institutions they did want to overthrow is marriage oh, I mean not all of them but some of them and I think they viewed it as a conservative bourgeois institution or like a traditional institution here and you know Plato viewed free love amongst the guardian class as the ideal um, and I think the 60, many of the 60s cultural revolutionaries would say the same thing, that like free love is the radical position, not monog- some kind of monogamous or semi-monogamous relationship here, which is what marriage is. Um, um, so now again, Plato, of course, was, a, was an inegalitarian. He only viewed the ruling class. But if you, if you take some modern ideas of equality seriously, that just basically mean everybody. Um, so it's an interesting. It's I always thought that in the Republic, this is an interesting social arrangement here of how to create children. You don't know, like he, he describes it. Plato describes it as you don't know your children, so then like you don't put any specific emphasis on any one of them. Um, um, and then then you know. So I, I think that's an interesting uh, uh, system, so to speak. Um, here. Uh, now, if you move the ball back to today here, 
I've, you know, not to go too personal here, I've never had a girlfriend, never had a wife or fiancé. Um, and part of the reason I think I don't have one is I don't really find much, I don't really have much direct in, in, uh, interest in it, so to speak, here. And actually, the Bible backs me up. Um, and partly is because, you know, the, as Proverbs would say, it's better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. That's, you know, that's a quote that doesn't oftentimes get repeated on posters of certain, you know, mainline Christian churches here. Uh, but but that's, that, that to me is a good quote here. And you do see the rise of unhappy men in marriages here, here, you know. And whether that always exists is a good question. But I do think it exists somewhat today here. So I do think there is a, um, there is a, there is that phenomena existing here that, like, there is men walking away from marriage. And actually, if you look at the late Roman period, I think Paul Gottfried was saying that, you know, men's, men's groups, like, men's sporting groups, you know, like, the, the ruling patrician men sort of started dropping out of society in the sort of the late Roman period here. Um, so that's another interesting historical parallel here, um, although Roman parallels with the United States get, can get overblown very quickly here. Swithin and Why Do People Have Children episode asked me why I don't have a ch any children, and I responded at the time by saying no clue, but upon further review, I'd say a practical answer is, is I don't have the social arrangement, aka wife, girlfriend, blah blah blah, to have one. Um, so so that's that's something that's happening less, people getting married, and I'm not the only one, people are getting married later, people are getting married um, somewhat less, although it's it, it's hard to tell with these statistics, um, it, it, because it just, it's hard to tell to, to derive a trend, but I think it is going down compared to certain periods in the past. It might have bumped up a little bit, it might bumps down a little bit. Um, and a society without children doesn't grow. So, you know, one of the problems that the West in particular, but also Southeast Asia, China, almost anywhere except parts of the Islamic world in Africa have at or below replacement levels, or maybe slightly above. Of course, Israel, one of the few societies that doesn't, that's developed. Um, now, the United States and parts of Utah are probably above, but on average, it's it's just barely above um, in that sense. So, you know, if people aren't getting married, people aren't having children at the same rate they do. Or if people are getting married later, people aren't having children. So the question is, why aren't people getting married to me? That's never that's never a good question. And I do think one of the things that... that, that, that hangs over is the question of is marriage slavery here uh, because you're t you're committing yourself and the courts are endorsing it so it's not merely it's not merely friendship here um because like if i like you and me don't have any you and me swift i would say are friends but we don't have any legal commitments to each other in the same way that a husband and wife has legal commitments like if you if you break up the house gets split there are payments made and so forth here but with friends it doesn't really exist it doesn't really exist in a meaningful sense here. Now, children are an interesting wrinkle, like who who owns or who has primary guardianship over the children here. So that's one of the reasons why marriage is different than friends, you know, because of the existence of children here. So maybe children just create slave-like obligations to the parents here. Um, and this goes into sort of like, you know, why abortion should be, should or should not be allowed, or why contraception should or should not be allowed here. But like, it is interesting that people, modern people, continue to get married, um, considering all the historical baggage to say it is. I think part of the reason is there's no better way to have children here. The sort of Plato system hasn't been tried, um, and people don't seem to want to live in a commune big enough to make that work. 
um, the the kind of the kind of like you know the kind of Soviet system of just having like birthing. Not that they ever tried this. In this sense, the Soviets again for all their revolutionaryism end up being quite traditional, as with most communist regimes. They basically, after a period of time, kept the family system intact, um, too, which is another interesting wrinkle here. You know, and we see even, ironically enough, East Germany seems to be more trad at this point than West Germany. That's a very strange historical wrinkle to this, this equation here. But, like, it is, marriage does seem to use a Neil Ferguson sense, a killer app in, in, in social evolutionary terms in the sense that the only way that pe- the only way people generally have children is through this institution but it's a problem if many leading intellectual figures of the day or the logic of that intellectualism leads it to be slavery so Swithin, do you think it's do you think marriage is exploitative to either party again you have the mras you have the feminists they both they both seem to hit on true insights here and again, unlike with friends, there's no legal commitment if, if, if a falling out happens. But if a falling happen, out happens between a husband and wife, especially if you're, you're quite wealthy. I mean, I, we both follow Keith Preston on Facebook. We just, there was a story that came up two days ago of some rich guy. He, he adopted the, his wife's children, and then 10 years later, the wife wants a divorce. And now the rich guy has to pay uh, alimony payments to all the adopted children, which is like, that to me, that looks like exploited to the men. Now, again, if you ask a feminist and they say, well, if the husband forced me to have sex or whatever, they'd say, well, that's exploitative to me. So I'm, I'm sure you can find examples going the other way, at least on, on the social terms here. So there does seem to be, there is an economic angle to this, too. So, Swithin, what do you make of this? Is modern marriage, as well as historical marriage, slavery? And why do people continue doing so? And what do you make of my overall comments on the is marriage slavery question? I think um, it's insofar as uh, either party agree uh, to be married, then it isn't slavery in like an essential sense. Um, so, for instance, even insofar as you think it's um, possible or legally enforceable, the voluntary slave, our Walter Block, isn't really a slave um, in the so classic sense of, well, you lost the war, we're going to take you and sell you. Um, now, th- there would be scenarios in which you, you could create in which, you know, there were so certain social conditions that basically forced you to sell yourself into slave, voluntary slavery. Um, and so then that is slavery. But that's really a cause of the... Um, that's really a cause of the social situation around it rather than um rather than the actual marriage itself and in the west at least marriage has in the christian west has always required consent of both parties now you can say well there's a social uh, pressure to do but i mean you can always say that i mean um the the idea of like forced marriage as such which is um which is conflated with arranged marriage uh, which is uh, unfortunate because it um, muddies the differences um, arranged marriage doesn't necessarily mean forced marriage it just means well your parents have a varying different types various um, levels of um, interaction uh, in informing it but you're not forced to marry 
Um, now, so in a sense, you have voluntary obligations. That said, under the current legal arrangements, um, does it impose sort of unjust obligations on various parties, especially in the case of divorce? To which the answer is, well, yes. Um, it does seem to me that uh, the way in which a lot of modern marriage um, marriages play out um, is that is basically a way of the wife taking out taking a lot of money off her husband. I mean, in the situation you mentioned that Keith had mentioned with respect to alimony payments, I mean, weren't even his kids. I mean, how how can you claim he has some sort of additional obligation to them? Now, I suppose with children, you can have a um, you have a positive uh, obligation which you choose to take on. You could argue in the in well, in the exception of rape, um, that you've taken on and it's not contractual. Um, and so, you know, if you take the view that you can have po um, positive obligations which you sort of take on voluntarily, which is what the legal system essentially believes, then, well, yeah, um, you know, those obligations are not necessarily unjust, but in certain practices, they clearly seem to be. Um, it's interesting as well, you're saying about how the think left uh, uh, act right because the divorce rates are significantly higher amongst the lower classes uh, than they are from the rich in most cases. It's historically uh, unusual because, histor because historically it was only the rich who ever really could be afford to get uh, divorced. And that kind of free loves of open marriage kind, kind of stuff, I think the Bloomsby group did that in like the 20s. So the upper classes tried a bit of this more sort of open relationship type stuff but they never really went for the um open raising of children particularly um because i think you point out it simply doesn't work i mean children are annoying and unless then you know they're yours you don't feel like you have the obligation to kind of raise them when it comes to, and so with that i do think that it's even if it's the case that the birth rate is low people generally have at least in the west i get the idea of what they want to do is this if they've got a girlfriend, they want to buy a house. And once they've bought a house, well, they can get married, then buy a house. But you basically got to buy a house, then get married, then have children. And then that's the, the socially acceptable way of doing it. Because it's the idea, it provides stability. And implicitly, people recognize that you need stability um, uh, for children. Um, on the marriage numbers, it's difficult to tell because it's, you, you tend to only get cross-sectional data on the number of people married. But I talked to a sociology guy I know, and he reckoned it was probably upwards of 90% of people who are married um, in their lifetime at some point, probably 1995. Um, so there's a lot of people um, who do get married. Now, what I would also say, though, is this. Uh, even those people who don't get married would historically have been considered common law marriages as well. Because the question here is, do you take marriage merely to be the legal arrangement or kind of the sociological arrangement? which aren't necessarily separate but i mean clearly it's the case that a lot of people who are not married effectively are and historically would have been considered so i mean they live in their own abode uh they have children together and they do not live with their parents well of course they're married i mean how how else would you describe it um so it'd be interesting how the courts deal with that kind of thing going on because i suspect given the decline of actual paper marriage um, they might bring in things effectively like common law marriage to create sort of obligations, particularly for fathers, um, in the case of, well, you've broken up, but like 
kids are kind of destitute. It's like, well, we need some arrangements to basically, well, someone's going to pay for the kids because you can't just leave the kids to die. Um, well, it's going to be you, not everybody else. Um, so those have been my sort of broad brush views on the matter so far. In terms of the logic of this of the argument here, Keith Preston has a great essay as well. You get this with other anarchists, with other you know social liberals here. On you know, is anarchism the the end, so to speak? That wasn't the title here, but I do think that I do think that if you take certain arguments of uh, of certain Protestants, certain um, Lockean liberals, uh, as for that matter, Rothbardians and others, as well as Marxists. They do. They do have a, a trajectory of liberating the individual, and of course, you know, we had traditional Catholics on, uh, like Rick Story and some others, view this as a, a, a at best a mistaken, at worst, an outright evil project. Um, and one of the primary ways the individual gets, so to speak, rooted into society is through marriage, and it's a kind of social right um, by traditional. Um, you know, tradition as again as the think left live right type thing. Um, even the quote unquote upper classes who are quote unquote liberal, quote unquote left wing, tend to get married anyway. Or they might get remarried. They might, again, they might have all these other institutions and, and quirks. But then again, those all always existed for the elites anyway. <clears throat> um, it's not that's not a surprise here. But it is interesting that that people continue to do so. Um, so, so my question for you, Swithin, is you made the comment about the voluntary slavery is in some sense not really a slave here. And that's, 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 that's true here. Um, but Walter Block would also, there's a classic debate in libertarianism about can you sell yourself <clears throat> into slavery? And if you think about what a marriage is, you could call that by, um, and it sounds somewhat laughable to say, but I think... I think if you look at an unhappy marriage, it does it does start looking a lot very slave like here. Um, are you signing yourself up to a contract into the future, which you know you're you're sort of committing uh, you're making commitment into the future, which a you may not be able to make or not make. Um, that that's one problem, and b it, it is it is there is an uncertainty about the future. You're not committing physical goods. Um, it's one thing to say like. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like student debt in that sense. It's one thing to take a mortgage out on a, a car or a house because the bank could just repossess or the state or whoever is doing it could just repossess the house. But a marriage, you know, you're sort of like sort of selling your future labors um, and, and you're sort of offering to live um, in, in an abode together. Um, in that sense, it's, it's very much like a it's a kind of slave institution, and like if you go and if you go to like the Christian context, you do have this idea of you have to own each other's bodies in a sense. You have to give up each other's bodies here. Um, so, I, so by logic, um, I think we had Rick Story on this topic. I think Rick Story would say there is the goal to liberate the individual. Um, 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 would the you know you could now you could say that you could say that marriage is a form of hyper. Like like freedom, you know, you actually freedom to go do something, you know, it's sort of reactionary version of freedom here. But do you think the end of this is the abolishment of marriage? Again, you, 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 just on this quick aside, as uh, I think Michelle Foucault or Glenn Greenwald is pointing out, that gay marriage wasn't always the goal for a certain members of the gay community. They viewed marriage as a, a sort of conservative bourgeois institution they wanted to get away from. Again, more about free love rather than, you know, 
getting married and having kids here. And this is this goes back to Giles Fraser and some of the, the liberal Christians who have supported long supported gay marriage here, which I think I find again, I always find this sort of interesting here. So Swithin, what do you make of this? Is it is it is it a form of slavery? As you stated with Walter Block, voluntary slavery is a contradiction in terms. But then but but or is it? Or is marriage then voluntary in that sense? Swithin? Well, what you state about marriage is kind of the traditional sort of libertarian position. I, I think Rothbard held the view that you should just be able to dissolve it unilaterally. You know, don't want it anymore, leave, and have no sort of um, legal obligations. Now, I think there are various... Um, I suppose it, it's... What positive obligations can you put on yourself in the future? It tends to be the case that people are against specific performance. And actually, to be fair, historically, people of, um, of, with marriage, um, they haven't uh, insisted on specific performance. So, for instance, um, if you're having an unhappy marriage, for instance, it's not the case we have to live together and have sex and stuff and be sort of a married couple. I mean, um, I think there's always been the case that you've been allowed to engage in sort of judicial separation, but you live in a separate, um, physic- physically separate um, household. Um, the Really, when it comes to divorce, the, the thing that it allows you to do is to get remarried. Uh, and that was that's really the nub of the issue is whether one should be able to be remarried or not. Um, now, even that, in, but that is a, a restriction. Um, and so um, taking sort of like standard sort of like normal contract theory, um, if you don't hold to spe- specific specific performance, so specific performance, just to know if I be clear, is suppose I say I will sing at your venue in two weeks time on Friday, but I decide I don't want to. I can't just um, pay you like compensation if you insist, like you're bound to the contract. You, you have to turn up. Um because you, you've promised it and, other, and otherwise you're essentially stealing from the people you agreed to perform for. Um, now, but there's, there's various ways you can do this differently with like uh, Rothbard likes the performance bond where you agree to say, well, if I don't turn up, you can take this type of money. And that's perfectly reasonable because you can, because you can alienate things that you own, but since you, your will is inalienable, then you can't, um, you can't tie it into the future. Um, so you are, you can have any form, you can have some form of contracts. Um, it's just that you can't, people can just legally just leave them. And basically the only thing you can get from them is compensation. Um, because you can't get them to do something, uh, whether you can stop them from doing something is another question. Um, cause I'm not exactly, oh, hmm, that's an interesting question because the, most similar thing actually to traditional marriage in which you can have judicial separation is actually a non-compete agreement. So if you leave that contract um, under sort of libertarian legal theory, would you be able to go and work for somebody else? Or is that a form of specific performance? Or maybe it's a case that if you were to do so, you agree to pay them. I suppose that would probably be the uh, way to do it. And they would then create the contract as such that it would be so prohibitively high, even if you left, you wouldn't work for a competitor. The non-compete agreement, again, a way in which firms can um, prevent their investment being wasted. So if you train someone for ages and spend loads of money, you don't want them to leave and work for somebody else because, well, you've wasted all your investment. Um, 
this is um, why, for instance, the East Germans didn't like um, people leaving East Germany and going to work in West Germany because, well, they'd lost all their investment. Um, so uh, it's kind of similar to that. So, uh, but, but that you just, but yes, I mean, it, it does have slavery esque qualities. That's true. Um, although the question then arises, well, is all slavery bad in that sense? Um, I mean, we discussed, you know, whether a long time ago, whether Aristotle was right on slavery, um, because you could argue that, you know, it's good for the party in question that um, they shouldn't be able to get remarried because ultimately the goal will be for them to be sort of reunited. And I've known a number of people who have, well, known, I know people who have known people who have got divorced and then remarried the same person to whom they divorced. English is wrong, that, but you get the idea. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, I would agree there are sort of specific performance aspects to a sort of a marriage contract which don't exist normally in any other form of contractual relation. And you could describe that as slavery-esque. I think Rothbard would, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. The the comment about things being easily dissolved, I think, begs the question of, is it a marriage in the first place? So I've always, you know, like, this was sort of famous for the Kardashian and some basketball player who was only married for like two weeks or something like that, and they got uh, divorced right away. Um, there's a certain degree of, as Peter Hitchens would say, it's, it's, it's easy, if it's easier to get out of a, of a marriage than it is just to get out of a, a car loan, then is it really... Does it really mean, and is it worth even the paper that's printed on? Um, you know, if you have a, you're playing Monopoly, you, you, you know, like you can play a game. I think it's called the Game of Life, and I think you can marry one of the players. But it's like it's it's a it's irrelevant here. I might be mistaking the rules in the game, but it's sort of like a fake. Um, so there's a certain degree in which, which if the courts and society or the state or the church, those are sort of institutions authority here, don't back up the 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 the, the claim. Um, then is it just really a kind of thicker version of friendship here, to use the thick-thin analogy here? It doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't really mean, it doesn't really mean anything unless there's social pressures to, to, to mitigate against it. Here in the United States, and don't ask me how I know this, is for tax reasons, there is a movement of people who get married but don't get married, i.e. because because it might be a bigger tax bill for them to combine their assets than it is to keep their assets together. They'll have just a church ceremony to recognize their marriage, but they won't file it with the state. Now, whether this actually is a marriage or not, it's sort of like a Wittgensteinian question of whether a hot dog is a sandwich here, like in that sense here. But I do think it's a problem. I think this is one of the problems that like people like Rick Story and Doug Wilson have when they crit criticize liberalism. That the state, the state, is sort of schizophrenic on this. On the one hand, it wants to liberalize people. On the other hand, it still extracts revenue from people via marriage for children, for alimony payments, and so forth here. Um, so what do you make of the claim that if it's easily dissolvable, why even bother, you know, you know, like, like if, like, marriage is supposed to be forever, or at least a long period of time. And if, if everyone just sort of, you know, breaks up um, within a few years or a few days, how is that different than just having a girlfriend or just having, you know, a, a, a friend? It just doesn't seem to matter in any meaningful sense here. Um, and actually, one of the problems that people today have is that, like, is like there's no set end date or set start date for the relationship here. 
So, like, you know, it, it does provide a start and end date for a relationship in a way that, that uh, you don't have in that sense. So maybe this goes back to this, the slavery is good here. Um, you know, it does sort of trap you in the situation here. I mean, Slavoj Zizek writes a book called The Freedom of a Forced Choice. It's like, so like once you commit to it, you're sort of stuck into it. It's a lot of cost to get out of it. Now, again, the cost of getting out of it has gone down, but there, if you lower the costs, make it easily dissolvable enough, then like, what's the point of even saying it's a, a bond to begin with? That would be my question, Swithin. What, what do you make of that comment? Well, the obvious reason why it would have sort of weight socially would be in the case of children. In the absence of children, it seems to have significantly less weight um, because as a, as, as a social unit, it's not really as relevant. Um, psychologically, though, it does... you With sex and with the, the hormones, especially with women, I think um, it sort of brings you psychologically a lot closer um than non-sexual relations do and so from an individual level it would seem more of a break um than uh, a friend just breaking up now that said you could argue that that's because we have an impoverished view of friendship you could argue um so i mean Anselm in the monastery was uh, very upset because one of his friends had been away for a long time and he said so in his public letters. Um, but there does seem to be, at least biologically and hormonally, something different with that. Um, with the start dates, you're right. I mean, I remember reading an article about some of the marriage research or relationship research and said that the major difference with marriages that survived and those that didn't was um, the difference between what he said, uh, sliding and deciding. Um, In the case of like having children, like just hooking up with somebody and then I'll move in together, I'll then have kids. It's kind of like, oh, you're kind of sliding into obligations. And whereas if you go for a more traditional route, which is we don't have sex until we're married, but we make the decision this is actually a good idea, um, then the probability that the end result will be better is a lot higher. And that's apparently borne out in the empirical data. I don't remember what the data is, but I mean, it would make sense if that was true, because who would you think would make more money on investments? People who have thought about how they're going to invest and put their money in and and, uh, engage in that. Or, or people just go, well, I just put some in, jams, and go, oh, we're already there, we're already with this company, oh, so I may as well stay. Oh, it's easier to put the money into the dividend reinvestment scheme for that company, and we don't do it to another one. It's like, well, that's probably not um, setting you up for maximum financial performance. Um, so um, marriage definitely has importance when it comes to children. Otherwise... Quite significantly less so, I would say. Um, but in most cases, children can and do result. So therefore, it is um, important. And, and of course, I mean, even if it's not important then, I mean, if you were to get married later or have children with somebody else, then the sort of baggage that bring from earlier relationships, etc., etc., would then, well, could and does impinge on the quality of the one thereafter. And so it can kind of have longer term impacts than it seems to have at the time. My final short question here is why do people continue doing it? 
I mean, again, I think we sort of went over the issues of why do people continue doing it, but there's been a huge kind of cultural evolution here, at least in intellectual ideas over the past hundred, at least 60, if not 150 years, um, in the sense that people's ideas on lots of things have changed. One of them is slavery, of course, here, where if you ask Jefferson Davis, if anything, Jefferson Davis would tell you that slavery is a positive good taking the old Greek Aristotelian argument seriously here, and there's a whole book about this, is it's a Christian good. To, for, even, you know, actually, some liberal Christians will point that out here, that that, that was the actual existing view at the time here. It's not that it's not that contradictory, actually, if you read the position. If anything, it's, it, there's a, if anything, it, it does put obligations on this quote-unquote slaveholder here. But there's a number of things that have changed in the past 150 years, for better or for worse, Yet people still do this institution here. Um, do you think this institution will continue, Swithin? I do. I do. I think, for one thing, that the Lindy Principle, it's, it's over 2,000 years old. It's probably going to continue lasting in the future. As we point out, the alternatives, the platonic theme of like communal raising, doesn't seem to come to fruition here. Um, that just seems like a mess. Um, that seems like something a cult would do. Although maybe maybe eventually a cult will do it, and then they'll, they'll do it very well. Um, but that seems to create icky legal liabilities. But again, this is where the, the, the this is where the anarchists and the left wing, left and right wing anarchists as well as the Marxists would just say, well, this is just a different, non traditional, uh, social technology. So why not? Why not? Why not allow it? I would again. I would if 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 there's some you know if in panic if panarchism there's some a stand that wants to do this, um, you know Plato a stand. Guardian to stand. I mean, I, I don't see any uh, in principle objection to it. Um, um, you could argue that the Mormons sort of did this. I think the, some of the founders of the Mormons had like forty wives and a thousand grandchildren or something crazy like that. Um, but I do think it is interesting that this this institution still sticks around despite all the criticisms that were made of it. Uh, so then what do you, what's your prospect on it? I mean, that's my final question here on this episode here. I do think it's slavery-esque. I, I don't, maybe it's not slave-like or slave-analogous, but I do think it's slavery-esque. Um, what do you think of the long-term or the medium-term prospects for it? Uh, despite all the criticism made by feminists and MRAs, people still do, people still continue to doing it, doing it in spite of the criticisms made of it, including the, many of the people making the criticisms themselves. You know, it's funny to see people criticize marriage. You ask them, what, what, what are they? Like, like Thaddeus Russell, for example, was married. I'm not sure if he's still married here. But various other people have the same sort of performative contradiction problem here, too. Swithin, what do you make of this? I would say what's clear, I think, is that if people have children, they will pair bond and they'll not do it collectively. Uh, and for that reason, on sort of like a like a pra- practical sort of uh, matter, marriage will always exist um, because raising children collectively I, doesn't work, and I don't see any any prospect that it would work. Now, whether this is everyone then goes um, to get legally married, um, I suspect it will decline to some extent. It might show your sort of social status in some respects but i do think as i said before to the extent that um official marriage declines uh sort of common law marriage will come back through the back door particularly with the deal with children so i think it's it it will be a permanent institution i i can't really see it um going i mean we could get polygamy 
but again that's still sort of formal um sort of legal arrangement um so yeah i i, I think it will continue and if it drops out in the paper form you'll come back in in some form of um, common law marriage of some description but they won't call it that because that'd be reactionary i just now like to thank everyone for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your fans and f- family and subscribe to us on podbean and on youtube the more subscribers we get the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material and if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com that's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com 